Nation Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Recorded live. Hello, my good people. And I, you thought I was going to um, not be here this week? I couldn't bear to leave the thought of leaving you all. Welcome to a wonderful episode tonight of the NGSC West Recess. It's Wednesday night. It's 8 p.m. And you know me. I'm here ready to do what we do. I am your conductor, Raider Rome, a.k.a. the Sports Butler, a.k.a. my little brother's big brother, a.k.a. the last king of Raider Nation, and I'm here to fight the West Coast bias. You know that we here on the West Coast, we are the most underrated of the lot. Our games start late at night. They think our football teams are finesse instead of powerful. But the Seattle Seahawks, they've shown us a different kind of light over the last couple of years, but that's neither here nor there. It's good to see you all, and that's what fighting the West Coast bias is for. And you know we have a little fun while we do that also. And, of course, fighting the West Coast bias is never a one-man operation, so I'm here rocking with you with the only man I do trust in this operation. That is one, Joshua Matson. How are you tonight, Big Josh? I am doing very good, Jerome. How are you doing this fine evening? Oh, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm feeling all right. I'm just here. I'm glad to be able to fight the West Coast bias with you. Looks like we got ourselves a pretty good game here with this Golden State in Houston, huh? Yeah, Houston's not going to go out, go down without a fight for sure. Yeah, they're really bringing it. Yeah, I'm not 100% in my best tonight, people. So pretty much what you're going to get is a huge dose of my main man, Josh. He's ready to bring the action to you. And we got some good stuff to discuss with you all tonight. But before we do that, we got a word here from our sponsor at DraftKings. We'll be right back. This is the NGSC West Recess. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Well, um, and so, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, we're back on the air here. But, yeah. like I said, my main man, Josh, he's going to mainly take the wheel tonight. You know, we had, I had some things go on today in my life, you know. But I'm glad to be here with you. This is probably the best therapy that I could come up with. So, But this will be mainly a Josh Matson-oriented show. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride while Josh takes the wheel. So, without further ado, Josh, let us know what to expect tonight. 
All right. Well, I think the first thing we should talk about is the thing that's going on in the FIFA world, uh, the soccer world. Uh, the FBI of the United States did an investigation into FIFA. This, uh, well, it's been going on for quite a while, the investigation over um, the 2018 and 2022 Olympics of Qatar and uh, Russia uh, land in the spots and and uh, they determined that uh, basically Russia and Qatar paid off um, the people in the governing body of FIFA to win the spots. And uh, so basically uh, they paid their way to get the spots. Uh, I, knew that I knew that was the case in my opinion anyways. I've been to Qatar. It, it's a dump. It's, <laughs> I don't know how it could have won a, won a World Cup to begin with without somebody paying off. So that's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, so, so General Loretta E. Lynch ran the investigation. She said these individuals and organizations engaged in bribery to decide who would televise games, where the games would, would be held, and who would run the org organization overseeing organized, organized soccer worldwide. So they paid their way to get the World Cup. The FIFA has said they're not going to change the locations over the scandal. Uh, the Swiss um, have arrested 14 people, um, and all, I think nine of the 14 are fighting extradition to the United States to face bribery charges. Um, and the Swiss are pretty, uh, pretty, uh, what's um, not very liberal on letting people um, leave the country on uh, crime charges because they're a, what's the term I'm looking for? They concern themselves to be neutral, I guess is what the I'm neutrality. saying. Neutrality. So, yeah. So um, it's, it's a bad deal because I knew, uh, listen, I knew that months ago when Cutter landed in a spot that it was, it was a joke because that place in, in June and July is, is like 105 average a month outside. And so they even had to move it to December or so. So it's 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 terrible, and that another thing is I don't know if you have, if you've ever been to Muslim countries before, but they're gonna make they're gonna have to build stadiums. Qatar doesn't have have uh, the infrastructure to support all the games yet, and there's gonna be guys out there dying to build these buildings so they can host the World Cup and make some money. So I don't know what's your opinion on the whole matter, Jerome. Well. To answer your question, Josh, no, I've never been to a Muslim country before. I mean, I've been to Mexico once, and, I mean, that wasn't a very good experience either. So I think I'll either stay here in the good old U.S. of A. or maybe I'll visit Canada one day. You know, it does seem kind of fishy that Qatar did get themselves a World Cup just because, you know, not very many people go to this place. It's hot, you know. You don't have very good um, women's rights in places like that. It's kind of like next to Saudi Arabia, I believe. I got to look at my map to give you a 100% confirmation there. But you do see, you do start to think something is up. Although with Russia getting a World Cup, I mean, that's something that could have happened. So I don't think the bribery is from there. I think mainly it did stem from Qatar getting a World Cup. You have to change your games from June and July to December. So that ought to be interesting seeing soccer at Christmas time. Um, and although. Although this was a pretty dirty scandal, it kind of seems like the New England Patriots are now running FIFA. I mean, you knew I was going to get you with <laughs> <Stop> that. <it. laughs> Stop it. It should be. 
this year be pretty interesting to see a winter World Cup. I mean, if it all goes well, it could lay on the basis of seeing this more often in the future. Your thoughts? Well, um, I, look, uh, Russia ran the most recent uh, Winter Olympics, and I don't know if you saw, they built basically built a city and <laughs> just to run the Winter Olympics, and then that place is basically abandoned now. They <laughs> So it, it didn't really pan out for tourism-wide. It was it was a waste of money on behalf of Russia, but uh, and they're not a they're not beneath uh, <laughs> they're not beneath them to buy in their way into getting something. Trust me, I've <laughs> I've read too much about. It. And I want to mention I wasn't poking fun at fun at Muslims. I, I was <laughs> I, I just want to make that clear. I was actually stating the fact that uh, there's going to be people building these buildings in the middle of summer and dying of dehydration because that's what really what will happen. So, anyways. Um, so disclaimer, let's talk about... we are not, disclaimer, we are not a political program. Jocelyn is yeah. basically making a point. He is not prejudiced towards anything except uh, people who just like the New England Patriots. Carry on. That's correct. I say we get into um, Major League Soccer now since we're talking uh, about yeah, soccer, yeah, let's huh? get off this topic. <laughs> we get way okay. too political. <laughs> yeah. Um, so LA Galaxy played the Houston Dynamo at the Subhub Center in Carson, California. It would uh, it was actually substitutions in this game by Bruce Arena in the 58th minute, brought in Robbie Keane, and 10 minutes later in the 68th minute he brought in Alan Gordon. Um, that that's the difference in this game because in the 90th minute um, of extra time, extra time, Robbie Keane sent in a perfect uh, bending pass that would find the head of Alan Gordon for his fourth goal of the season. All four of his goals have came off the bench. So um, he might need to start seeing some daily uh, playing time, I would have to say. Um, for much of the game, though, uh, Houston was pretty much in control, I would say. The Galaxy had him pinned back for some of the game, but uh, it was actually um, Houston's in, uh, inability to actually score goals <laughs> – that um, kept LA in the in the game and Arena's substitution to get Keenan and Alan Gordon paid off and they got the goal in, right in the 90th minute, which was which was crazy and a good win for the Galaxy because um, they needed the three points. Um, I would say Houston was the better team on the day, but um, LA won the game and that's what matters. Um, Oscar Sordo of the Galaxy got a red card for fighting near the end of the game, and he's going to be out for the Wednesday night, uh, the game that's on right now against Real Salt Lake. Um, and the Galaxy have uh, the New England Revolution on Sunday as well. Um, the Dynamo, Dynamo are going to play Sunday against New York City FC, and Houston's now eighth in the West, and LA is sixth in the Western Conference. Do you have any oh, comments about the game? Well, I find it interestingly enough that our favorite guy that we talk about a lot, Giles Barnes, didn't really put the ball in the back of the net or perform very well Saturday. So that's very shocking to me. And also seeing Houston way back at eighth. I mean, this is something you don't see often with a Houston Dynamo um, soccer team. They're usually one of the West Coast powerhouses, and they're off to a very slow start this season. And the Galaxy, this was a big win for them. You know, you, you're getting Steven Gerrard coming in pretty soon. And I think that's going to help turn around fortunes really quickly. Bobby Keane's back, and things are going to start trending up. I'm really looking forward to that MLS Cup rematch with New England next week. We get to show you guys why we're the champs. 
Yeah, um, uh, New England's coming off a good game. <laughs> they were down nine, nine men to. Um, uh, they only had nine men on the field on the field, and they managed to uh, tie DC United uh, this weekend, which was good. So one uh, one, which is a good point. But anyways, uh, Toronto FC versus Portland Timbers at BMO Field in Toronto. Um, this game was pretty much decided early in the contest when Sebastian Giovinco uh, would put in. Uh, a goal from the about 30 yards out in the fifth minute. Um, it was fifth goal of the season. Portland pretty much dominated possession of the ball, but like um, like Houston in the previous game, they just weren't able to get any decent shots on goal. Um, Toronto FC is next actually plays uh, Manchester City today um, on a friendly at BMO Field, and that game should be on right now too. Actually, it starts at 10.30. No, let's see. Uh, on the 27th at BMO Field Watch. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, I'm lost. It's on tonight. <laughs> let's just put it that way. Yeah, don't um, drive yourself they, crazy over it, Josh. Our soccer purists, yeah. they'll find it. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, Toronto also plays San Jose on Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Portland is taking on D.C. United this week. Um in Colorado on Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Portland is in ninth in the Western Conference, and they need a turnaround or else this season is looking like a, a bad season for Portland. Uh, you really need, need to get more goals and or else their season's in jeopardy. Uh, Toronto is playing pretty good um, ball. They're in fifth position in the East. Any comments on this game? Well, I didn't see too much of this game, but I do know that Portland is in really big trouble now. And Toronto, they seem to be moving up, and they will be heard from in the East going forward. It would be interesting to finally see them make the playoffs, get one of the Canadian outfits in there. And I hope they play well against Manchester City tonight. You know, Portland, those guys, they're just kind of teetering on the edge of disaster right now. They have nothing going on, so. They're just playing. They're they're getting dangerously close to playing out the string, in my opinion. Yeah. So that was the final of Toronto one, uh, Portland zero. So our next game was actually probably one of the better games on the, on the, on the weekend. Uh, Montreal Impact versus FC Dallas. Um, it was a pretty exciting game. In the 24th minute, Moises Hernandez um, was tackled by Ignacio. Piatti in the box, and Plotti was given a penalty kick, penalty kick that he converted for the one nothing Montreal impact lead. In the 50th minute of a pass um, in the box from Plotti, uh, Jake McNary would score at the top of the box to Montreal 2 nothing lead. In the 77th, Matt Hedges would score his first goal of the season off a rebound in the box off a save from um, Evan Bush, making it 2-1 and giving FC Dallas at least a glimmer of hope. But Montreal would hold off and win 2-1. It was Montreal. um, It seems Montreal starting to pull things together and have won two in a row. They only have played seven games. So they have um, quite a bit of games to catch up on most of the other teams in the East. Um, So they're actually in the hunt if they keep winning games. As far as FC Dallas goes, tough loss for them. Um, it it makes them vulnerable to Seattle for the um, top spot now because Seattle is only has one extra game to play uh, uh, on FC Dallas to make up on on FC Dallas is what I meant to say. 
Um, so FC Dallas is play plays the second of five straight row games next Friday on May 29th at Sporting KC. Uh, Montreal will hit the road as well on sun, on Saturday where they play the Chicago Fire. Um, any comments on Montreal Impact game? Oh, Montreal, they're starting to seem a bit like the Oakland Raiders to me from last year. You got off to a horrible start, but once you started winning a match, everything started looking better. You're going downhill. Ignacio Piatti, he puts the ball in the net to give him the lead. Then McInerney puts another one in. And Montreal, they're finally starting to find in the back of the net. And they've got plenty of time to get this thing turned around. You know, in the East, you're not that far out. You get a three, four more wins, you're right back there. So I wouldn't count Montreal out yet. And Dallas, after their fast start, they're starting to come back to the pack a little bit. And Seattle's right there on their heels. So they better turn things around. And I think it all started with that loss to Colorado um, a few weeks back. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so that final score, Montreal 2 um, and FC Dallas 1. The next game we had on tap was Colorado Rapids versus Vancouver Whitecaps. And let me tell you, this is a more surprising outcome of the, of the weekend. Uh, um, in the 51st minute, Lucas Pitanari would score his first goal of the season off of some good setup passes by Gabriel Torres and Dylan Powers. While not the most exciting game, <laughs> um, Colorado got much needed three points with a one nothing win against Vancouver, who is now playing inconsistent soccer, and they're not putting together strong performances like they were earlier in the season. So um, I really think... Uh, Vancouver is a, little, a team a little bit on the shaky right now, so they need to get things together. They're still in third in the in the West, so and Colorado is still you know doing what they do in, at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the Western Conference. But uh, anyone for them is a good win. Um, they next take on go on the road against Sounders tonight as well at CenturyLink Field. Vancouver will take uh, a flight back to the Pacific Northwest and return to the BC Place next Saturday to host another struggling team, Real Salt Lake. Any comments on the Colorado Rapids and Vancouver Whitecaps result? Uh, Colorado is still a very bad soccer team, but they seem to bring their best against the, what, what the West has to offer. I mean, you've defeated um, FC Dallas. You drew, you've drawn with them earlier, but you got this win against Vancouver. Now, Colorado can just show up against lesser opponents. Maybe things will start to turn around for them. But being in the West, I think they've got too much ground to make up. Nice win, but it probably won't turn their season around. Yeah, so that would be Colorado, Colorado Rapids 1, Vancouver, Whitecaps 0. Next game on tap was Seattle Sounders versus Sporting KC. Um, it was built up as the game of the week, but it ended up being the dud of the week. Um, neither team managed to find the back of the net. In the ninth minute, Nemeth of uh, Spring KC had a shot and goal, um, but it was it was off um, to the left. Um, in the 34, 31st, Lamar Nagel had a, a attempt at a header, but he put that wide left too for for Seattle and. Uh, in the 56th, Jimmy Madranda um, had an opportunity, but he put it wide left uh, the sporting, uh, for, uh, sporting KC as well. So there was a few opportunities for goals in this game, but neither team managed to find back from that. With the result, Seattle is 6-3-2 and two with 20 points, moving to tie with Vancouver Whitecaps for second place in the Western Conference ahead of uh, 
uh, a midweek battle with Colorado, which is at 10 p.m. tonight. Um, Sporting Kansas City, the game's on right now, in fact. Uh, Sporting Kansas City moves into uh, its 4-2-6 with 18 points on the season, and their um, next match is against FC Dallas on um, Friday um, at 9 p.m. Eastern on uh, Unimaz, and I don't know what station that is personally, so. Um, I've never heard of myself either, Josh. It's probably one of those satellite stations you get, like when you come from another country or something. I don't know. Yeah. So do you have any uh, comments on Seattle or Sporting KC? I don't know. This game sounded like it was very, very boring. I'm kind of glad I missed it. Although you think with two teams like Seattle and Kansas City, you get more action. Oh, maybe they were more defensive-oriented that night or what have you. But, yeah, I was expecting more, so. Boring game from the sounds of things. Yeah, well, I think Seattle's working on just trying to um, get any point they can. If they, if it's one of those games where they can get a draw, they're fine with that because they're they're in good position right now. So, um, but anyways, the final is Seattle zero, Sporting KC zero. Next game on tap was Real Salt Lake versus New York City FC. Um, it started when Kyle Beckerman got a touch pass, um, deflecting it toward the top of the box where. Uh, Devin Sandoval was waiting. Sandoval nodded down a perfect pass in space where Sturzer was able to run it onto it. Sturzer curled a left, put a shot past New York City. FC goalkeeper Josh Saunders and into the back of the net for his first goal in his third season. So he's probably, Sturzer's probably really happy about getting his first goal finally. <laughs> uh, Sturzer, not Sturzer, sorry, Sturzer. Uh, midfielder Luke Mulholland received a long pass from uh, Jameson Olay far out of the wing and immediately got his head up and whipped it with a beautiful ball into the top of the six-yard box. Saviaro, Saviori, you know, was sandwiched between two defenders but still was able to get his head to it and Saunders could do nothing as it bundled off the goalkeeper into the back of that, making it 2 nothing for... Um, uh, Real Salt Lake. Uh, the final would be Real Salt Lake 2, uh, New York City FC 0. Real Salt Lake has a quick turnaround game Wednesday at, at LA Galaxy, which is another game that's on right now. And New York City FC returns home to play for against Houston Dynamo on Saturday. Um, Real Salt Lake is now 7th in the West with the win and right in the thick of things for the 6th spot. And uh, New York City FC is, well, they're sitting in last in the East. So that, well, first of all, do you have any comments on that game, Jerome? Well, it looks like Real Salt Lake is starting to turn their season around. Mulholland um, bashing in a goal from Olave, uh, and that was pretty nice. And Kyle Beckerman, a U.S. player, he's getting things going, and Sturzer put it in. So, I mean, Real Salt Lake, they did what they were supposed to do. You take advantage of a weaker expansion opponent. You get the three points, you get the job done. And then a rugged Western Conference, you got to do that every time you get the chance. So kudos to them for not taking the match lightly and getting the job done and getting the three points. Yep, so that would be Real Salt Lake 2, New York City FC 0. So that wraps up our Major League Soccer um, beat for the week. We will have plenty more next week uh, on the show, which we should move on to our next topic of the day, which will be um, auto racing, specifically NASCAR and the Indianapolis 500. 
as I predicted last week on the show, Juan Pablo Montoya won the Indianapolis 500. Um, Montoya's number two Chevrolet was hit um, from behind early in the race, and he dropped all the way back to 30th in uh, place um, because he had to change the back wing of the of the car. And uh, he also had an issue in the pits where he overran the pits on a pit stop, and he had to back up. And that any any time uh, wasted on pit road is actually quite a lot of distance on the track, considering they're going about 225 miles per hour. So. He lost a lot of positions, but he methodically worked his way through the through the race. Um, he was moving up pretty much consistently throughout the race, and with about 11 laps to go, Montoya finally took the lead away from Scott Dixon, and um, and uh, went on to hold off. Uh, actually, he took the lead from Will Power. Uh, his prior to passing Will Power, he had a battle with Scott Dixon. Uh, Will Power, so he took second from, or first from, in, at the end of the race. Um, the final results was uh, Juan Pablo Montoya first, Will Power was second. Um, surprising uh, finish for Charlie Kimball, who finished third, and Scott Dixon was fourth. Uh, Scott Dixon was Jerome's pick. He ran strong all race. He was at the front for the majority of the race. Um, but Montoya was was clearly the fastest car. He just had a lot of tough breaks during the race that he made up and he won the race. So um, it was awesome. I like Juan Montoya. I've always liked him. So anytime someone I like wins, it's always a good day. Um, and when I make correct predictions, I like to brag about them too. So um, but, yeah, did you watch the Indy 500, Gerald? Um, I watched the end of it because I always like to see the race of split the milk at the end. It's one of those just interesting traditions that you always got to take a look at, no matter how quirky it may seem to others. You know, and I was pretty excited about how Scott Dixon, I thought he was going to win the race because he was right there. He had the lead, like, almost every time I would tune in. And my toy age just seemed to want it more at the end, you know. But it's always good to watch the race regardless of who wins. And, yeah, I know you gave me a text saying you got you got to win there. But, you know, it's all, you only get you – know, they only count in NASCAR. But good call, Josh, though. I'll give you your <laughs> That's That's fine. That's fine. Um, which brings us to NASCAR, in fact. Uh, we had the Coca-Cola 600, and uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Kurt Busch were dominating this race, but um, there was a late caution, and Truex Jr., Kurt Busch, and a bunch of other drivers decided not to pit um, because they felt like they didn't have enough. Uh, they Even if they pit, they wouldn't have enough gas to make it to the end. Uh, Carl Edwards, Greg Biffle, and uh, Dale Jr. specifically were three cars that actually did pit under this caution, and it ended up working out for the, those guys because uh, Carl Edwards um, pretty much drove around the track going about uh, about three or four miles per hour under, under the average speed, but trying to save gas, and he ended up holding off Greg Biffle, who was trying to catch up to him, but on the same strategy as Carl Edwards. Um, but Carl Edwards stole a win, and if he can just steal a win off a, a gas mileage play in NASCAR, there's nothing wrong with that because that's part of it, and uh, Carl Edwards pulled it off. Um, it was a great win for him. He pretty much ensures himself a, a place in the chase now. Um, not a not a probably happy ending for Martin Truex Jr., who actually dominated this race from pretty much the start. Well, him and Kurt Busch pretty much trade spots, but, um, so, 
the next race is at Dover. It's a one-mile oval. There's 400 laps, 400 miles, and green flag is scheduled for 115 Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Um, last year's Dover race were dominated by Hendricks Cars, um, Timmy Johnson, and uh, won the June race, and Jeff Gore won in September. Um, uh, the first back anyone's ever started to win this race, and I actually watched this when I was a kid. I, I can't believe I remember this race. It was um, Kyle Petty in 1995. He was back in 37th position. Um, he just worked his way through the field and won the won that race. That's one of Kyle Petty's few wins of his career, but he, he won that one. Um, I, my prediction for this, this week's race at Dover is going to be Timmy Johnson because he runs well at Dover um, pretty much annually. So uh, he's going to be up near the front somewhere. So that's my pick. Do you have a prediction for the Dover race, Jerome? I'm going to go ahead here, Josh, and say Dale Jr. should get himself a win this week. So he sounded really motivated in the post-race, you know. I actually watched, like, the last 20 laps of that race because um, I was watching I was watching your DraftKings race because I couldn't get in in time. It was interesting. I missed it by, like, 10 minutes. Then I sent you a text saying you were in the money, and you know, everything just went haywire for you, so I was kind of feeling bad. But, yeah, I ended yeah. up watching the end of that race. It, it was a great finish, and I think Dale Jr. is going to get the job done this week. Yeah, the uh, I was going to win money for sure, uh, but Carl Edwards winning actually um, screwed. Well, because I had Truex Jr., and I had Kurt Busch on one of my teams, and uh, I had Denny Hamlin as well, um, and they were the pretty much dominating the race. But when Carl Edwards won, that pretty much screwed up all the point systems. So it is what it is. That's how things work. I ended up winning money still, but not anything there what I could have won. So um, it is what it is. Uh, I think it's time for another message from our sponsor, Jerome, if you want to take that one. Oh, uh, yeah, we're getting there. But we're sitting there. As I still have my television, I'm taking a look at something very gruesome here. Clay Thompson appears to be bleeding from his ear. So this, I hope they get this taken care of. If it isn't something serious, this could spell disaster for the Golden State Warriors' chances in the NBA Finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who did win the East tonight. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It was just kind of um, it just was eye-opening to me. I've never just seen somebody just bleeding from the air like that. It's just total craziness. But we've got a lot of good stuff left for you. I mean, we had a good first half. And, Josh, you're doing great, man. I just want you to know. You know oh, thanks. Like I said earlier, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling too hot. I some things go on with the family today. And Josh Matson, he's pretty much driving the wheel today. And I'm riding shotgun for the first time, and you're doing a great job. We'll be back to kick some more ass and fight more bias after this word from our sponsor. This is the NGSC West Recess. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. While waiting until the end of the season to claim victory where you can win huge cash every day. At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players. Stay under the salary cap, and you can be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. 
Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Welcome back to the Welcome back here to the NGSC West Recess. Raider Rome and Josh here with you. And we got ourselves a quick playoff update here with about six minutes left here. Houston has cut Golden State's lead to nine. It's now 89-80. Probably a little bit too late for the Rockets, but they're fighting with everything they've got in their tank. And in game six of the NHL playoffs today, Chicago defeated Anaheim 5-2. to two. So there will be a game seven in both conference finals. And you can find Chicago and Anaheim Saturday night at 6 p.m. on NBC, on NBC Sports Network, which is Channel 220 if you got Direct TV. But that's neither here nor there. I'm sure you purists will find that game. Now, here's Josh for the second half of the NGSC West Recess. Oh, well, while you were reading the DraftKings, I went to DraftKings to check my uh, fantasy scores. I'm only 12 points back from the lead right now, so and I have Granky going right now, so I'm, I'm sitting in good position. Um, hey, go get yeah, that money, man. <laughs> I know. I'm trying, man. Which brings up fantasy baseball. Uh, last week, uh, 231.5 points. That was slightly, uh, in fact, two points less than last week. Uh, I tried to do better, but it didn't quite work out. There were some things that didn't, didn't pan out. Uh, the Grom pitched uh, good uh, this week, uh, and uh, Matt Harvey was the one that cost us a lot of points. He uh, He got roughed up. Um, it was actually his worst start of his career, so I don't expect too many of those from him. So uh, it is an anomaly, I think. I think that was just one of those days for him. So um, so my pitching matchups uh, on Thursday, May 28th, I have Shelby Miller versus Chris Heston, um, Chris Sale versus Mike Wright, and Corey Kluber versus James Paxton. I like those plays, and I like Miller. I like uh, Sale's. Been up and down this year, but I think uh, I think that's a game he should win. Kluber, another guy's been up and down, but while I think Paxton's pitching better, I don't think he. I don't. I just. I have. I have an instinct feeling that Kluber's going to pitch good in that game. Friday, May 29th, May Harvey versus Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey versus Dan Heron uh, of Miami. Uh, Sonny Gray versus Chris Capuno. Capono and Trevor Bauer versus Taiwan Yeah. And Trevor Bauer versus Taiwan Walker on May twenty ninth. Uh Saturday, May thirtieth, Dallas Keichel versus Jose Quintana, uh Nathan Ivaldi versus Jesse Hahn of the Athletics and Johnny Cueto of oh Johnny Cueto versus Gio Gonzalez. Um that's May thirtieth on Saturday. And Sunday, I have David Price versus Matt Shoemaker, who's been up and down this year, basically down, giving, giving up a lot of hits specifically. So I think and Price has been pitching better this, this year. Um, Jake Odorizzi versus Chris Tillman and Jeff Locke, who uh, helped me win some money the, the, the other night um, for the Pirates, who pitched a really decent game versus uh, Spain and uh, San Diego. So those are my pitching matchups. I also have hitters. Um, I don't know, Jerome, do you, do you have hitters lined up or do you want me to read the ones I have? Um, I didn't have any hitters lined up, but it looks like you got some here, so we'll go on and run through those here. 
We got Buster Posey here hitting 364 this week, and he had a home run and five RBIs. So he seems to be coming on. I throw him in my lineup if I were you. I mean, and there's another one of those so easy. I think a monkey could tell you to put this guy in your lineup. Prince Fielder. He's been tearing the cover off the ball, batting 484 with five homers and 15 RBIs over the last week. I mean, this power surge just pretty much came from nowhere. So ride the big man while the iron is hot, I say. Up here next, we got a batter who actually hit another home run tonight, and he's been playing very well, batting 423 over the last week. Second baseman Colton Wong from the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's playing well for the NL leaders at the current moment. Got a guy here from Toronto who's been bashing the ball. He hit a game-winning homer last night, and he's had three over the last week. Josh Donaldson from the Toronto Blue Jays, three homers, five RBIs. If you need speed on the bags, Take a look at another Texas Ranger who's been hitting the ball well. You got Elvis Andrews batting three fifty seven. He's had seven RBIs, and he did have a jack Monday against the um, Cleveland Indians. So maybe his power is starting to come through a little bit, and that could help you out. Now, this is the guy I told you last week to get in your lineup. If you didn't, and you didn't trust, and you didn't trust Raider Rome, man, what can I say? You don't like money. We got Ryan Braun here from the Milwaukee Brewers. He continued his hot streak, bashing three more homers, having 10 RBIs, and batting 350. So this could have really helped you out in your money-making endeavors. That's seven home runs over the last two weeks. I think Braun, he's catching on pretty well, even though he plays for a bad baseball team. That should just help you out even more going forward. Then we've got another player who just came back from the DL, and he's hitting very well for the defending champion. We've got Hunter Pence. He had a homer the other day. He's had eight RBIs, and he's batting three twenty three over the last week. So he seems to be hitting for average well. He can get you a hit or two, and that could really help you out. Then finally, we've got ourselves Justin Upton from the San Diego Padres. He's hit a couple of homers over the last week, eight RBIs, and he's batting three oh eight. As we say, get these guys into your lineup. They can help you out, make you a little bit of money. And as Raider Rome and Josh always say, if you can't trust us and you don't go with these picks, you don't like money, sir. And that was our fantasy baseball beat. Yeah, uh, I like those picks uh, there, Jerome. Uh, one guy that I think we should add on that list is Bryce Harper. He, the, it's, the reason why he probably didn't make the list is because he's hitting a lot of solo home runs. So uh, a bunch of these guys have also been knocking in a lot of guys. Uh, so it's kind of why he didn't make the list. But he's definitely a guy you want to start to. So. Um, I think we should should talk about the NBA playoffs now, Jerome. Um, Okay. Well, what we got here is we got Cleveland dropping an unexpected beatdown on Atlanta. I thought the Hawks would win at least a couple of games in this series. I mean, the Cavs didn't really give them a sniff. They're playing their best uh, basketball at the right time, and they're going to be trouble for the Golden State Warriors. Although I think – for the first time in a few years, though, you have an NBA Finals that can go either way. I think this one's going to be probably more exciting than the first San Antonio-Miami series from 2013. So, I like I say, let's get it on. You got Kyrie Irving back. LeBron seems to be taking his leadership to a whole other level. But I'll give an honorable mention to Jeff Teague. He played his heart out in that series. You just don't have five Jeff Teagues and Damari Carroll injured his knee right away. So, Atlanta, they really never had a shot at it. They'll grow and learn from this. They're young, and in the future, they'll be right there. 
So the Hawks shouldn't feel discouraged. He's ran into a better team. And here with Golden State and Houston, it's pretty much the same um, situation. Houston, after knocking off the Clippers on a seven-game series, you knew they wouldn't have much left in the tank for this battle. The first two games, however, in Golden State, they played well. They had a chance to win them both, actually jumping out to a 16-point lead in game one of the West Finals. But in the end, the Splash Brothers and um, Draymond Green, they bring it together, and they take the first two in Golden State. Then they just drop an epic beatdown on the, on the Rockets in game three, and Houston winning by 35 points. Houston did get a win in game four behind the sharpshooting of James Harden. Dwight Howard, however, in this game four or five, he's just pretty much playing pretty much dirty. But, I mean, I don't like to call out people and say they're dirty or whatnot. But, yeah, he's doing some very uncharacteristic things. And Golden State, they're about three minutes away from putting this series on ice. They currently lead by 12, and they'll take their shot at LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Game one taking place next next Thursday night, June 4th, in Oracle Arena. Should be a pretty fun series. You got a prediction for us, Josh? Oh, uh, prediction? Uh, well, I, I I want Cleveland to win, but um, I think Golden State is a better team. I, I've been on the board of saying that Curry wasn't worthy of winning the MVP, and I'm kind of backing off that statement out because he's been playing amazing uh, in the playoffs other than the first couple uh, against uh, Memphis didn't go very well in my opinion uh, but he's actually been playing off the charts lately so he's the best he and LeBron are the best players in the NBA right now so uh, currently uh, and it's convenient that they're meeting up in the in the title title game so we're going to get to see the two best players in the NBA currently uh, go at it so uh, I guess I'm going to say I think Cleveland with LeBron and uh, Irvin getting some time to rest. Um, I think they can beat uh, they can beat uh, Golden State uh, if they play anything like they did defensively against Atlanta and uh, and uh, Chicago. So I, I like what uh, Cleveland's doing. In fact, they played better without. And I, I don't like to say things like this, but they play better defensively without Irvin on the court. So um, I don't know if, uh, if he's actually a hindrance to them defensively because uh, Cleveland wasn't great defensively during the regular season. In fact, they weren't right, they weren't ranked very high at all defensively. So, um, but they've played amazing in the playoffs on defense. So. Um, yeah. So uh, did did you have a prediction for the? For the finals, Joe? Hey, I'm going to go ahead and say Golden State is going to win this thing in six. Cleveland, for some reason, you know, I don't like to believe in hoodoo and all of that nonsense, but it seems like this is a cursed franchise. You haven't won a title in anything in over 50 years. you got a pretty good team, though, and at, at points in this series, Cleveland's going to give Golden State fit. I mean, that's just only fitting. Last time they made the finals, they were swept by a more experienced and better time than San Antonio Spurs team, and I don't think this is the case. Golden State is slightly better, but Cleveland, they, they have a chance at it. They'll win a game or two. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Splash Brothers, the MVP, um, Stephen Curry. They'll get the job done. And I'm not, and like I said, I'm not a told-you-so guy, but I did tell you, you start to come around to Steph Curry. He's showing you why he's the MVP, Josh, and now the Cleveland Cavaliers and all of the country will find out why he's the MVP. The Golden State Warriors will be the NBA world champions. The 
defeating the Cleveland Cavaliers in six games. In six games. Okay, well, I will say the opposite happens. I say Cleveland wins the six games. So that's my prediction. You have Golden State in six. We'll see who, who is right on this, and we're going to definitely be talking about the finals next week um, on the show. So we will be talking more about it next week. So, Jerome, uh, you're a UCLA fan, and uh, and the College Baseball World Series is about to start up, and I saw your UCLA Bruins have landed the, the top seed in the, in the tournament. So um, I guess they're going to be hosting in somewhere in Los Angeles the tournament for um, uh, for the tournament of their bracket. So uh, UCLA is coached by John Savage. Uh, I know that they have really good pitching, I guess, like amazingly good pitching, especially uh, – Watson, Grant Watson, and David Berg are, are their top uh, pitchers. And and uh, uh, Ty Moore is one of their best hitters. But I, I don't know if you follow UCLA baseball or if you've been following, but you got anything to say about them or you know it or you just – or just, you do you follow them? <laughs> well, I, got, I really got into them during that 2013 run to the championship, you know, with John Savage in the College World Series title. Because we have won titles and everything else, and to just add baseball, I mean, it made it that much better. I mean, we got players also that are very well, such as Kevin Kramer. He's batting three twenty eight, you know, six homers, 31 RBIs. Brett Stevens, he's he's batting three twenty, stolen 11 bases. So he's been a demon on the bags. And you got players such as Chris Keck and Luke Persico. And the pitchers, you, you were right about Grant Watson and David Berg. I mean, those guys, they're lights out. Well, Berg being only having a, allowing a 7.3 ERA, I mean, wow. Not very major, yeah. many major leaguers do that. And I see UCLA probably winning this regional very easily. They should they should cruise to the Super Regional. And I'll say they get to the College World Series. But once you get to that level, anything can happen. So I'm going to stop just short of predicting a national championship. But I do say UCLA goes to the College World Series. Yeah, so you uh, – I think everyone's on board with you, especially when they're pitching their number one in the nation with a, a team average 2.07. So that's just crazy good. I, I figured since I was looking into the College World Series, and I've always a little bit followed uh, college baseball just as a spectator, I figured we should mention some of the other West Coast teams that made it in there. Uh, you see Santa Barbara, um, they're, they're in it. They were 40 and 15 in the Big West. They um, they have some good hitters on their team, uh, Cameron Newell and uh, Andrew Kalika, uh, who's a sophomore. He's batting 315, 18 RBIs, and 14 stolen bases. They have some decent pitching too. Uh, uh, Shane Bieber, who's <laughs> um, <he was laughs> 220, yeah, uh, 226 ERA on the year. He was eight and four. Um, Dylan Tay, a junior, who's 208, 280 ERA. Um, um, they're pretty good earned run average, uh, third in uh, college baseball with 2.39 ERA, um, 290 batting average, team average hit in, um, which is 62nd in the nation. So um, they actually are one of the one of the sleepers in the tournament, I would say. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say about UC Santa Barbara, if you even know anything about them. Um, but I think uh, uh, Well, I'll be honest, I haven't seen them play at all. You know, in the yeah. Big West, I like to see how UC Riverside performs. So they they were had a horrible season under Troy Percival this year. 
So that's basically all the Big West baseball I watch. But I do get into the tournament quite a bit there, Josh, so I'm sure I'll get a good look at these guys up close and personal. Should be interesting yeah. to take a look. And that Beaver guy, he's got one of the more interesting names in this tournament for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, uh, he has an unfortunate last name sharing with us. Everyone's a favorite Canadian, I guess, <laughs> in that line. Uh, so you're the U.S. Go ahead. No, I was saying Wayne Gretzky's a pop singer now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so U.S.C. Trojans, uh, coached by Dan Hubbs, uh, they made the tournament. Um, they were 37 and 19 on the year. Uh, they have uh, Garrett Stubbs, who's a senior uh, catcher. Who's Bad 330 uh, with 22 RBIs and 19 stolen bases on the air. And uh, Timmy Robinson, a junior, 298 uh, batting average, six home runs, 50 RBIs, 19 stolen bases. Um, their best pitcher on the on their um, team is Kyle Fulme. Uh He is a junior. He 281 ERA. Um, he was 7-2 on the year. Uh, USC 294 team average. They're uh, they definitely uh, have uh, a good team of stealing bases. That's their uh, that's their niche. They're uh, they're they like to run the bases when they get on. Uh, they're not overly impressive pitching wise. They have three twenty seven ERA. Um, not you know up there with the top teams in the country, but they're a team that can make some noise. They had some good wins uh, in the year, uh, beating. Uh, Cal State Fullerton would be one of their big wins on the air. Uh, they also beat UCLA, who's the top seed in the tournament. So they're in it, um, and they're not a bad team. So they definitely have a have a shot. So have you seen anything about USC, Jerome? Uh, well, let's just hope they don't go farther than UCLA. I know USC <laughs> is a very is a historical powerhouse under Rod Debbie back in the 80s and the 70s, but it ain't that time no more. USC, they, they will make it an interesting run, but I don't see them getting out of their regional. Okay. Uh, that brings us to San Diego State, who's coached by Mike or Mark Martinez. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Ty France is one of the best hitters. He's 346 by average. He got 48 RBIs, which was among the among the top in the in the college baseball. Um, they also had. Uh, Spencer Thornton, uh, junior, 328 bat average, 20 RBIs. Uh, Danny Sheehan, uh, junior, uh, 310 bat average, 6 home runs, 45 RBIs. Their top pitcher is uh, Mark Saylor. Uh, he was a junior. He had 280 ERA, 9-2 record on the year. Um, and he pretty much led the team. Uh, they have some uh, – they're a little bit weak on the pitching uh, – they're not among the best. In fact, they're at a 4.10 ERA. They're one of the worst. One of the worst in the tournament, in fact. Um, but what they have going for them is they can hit and they can um, they can run the bases um, pretty good too. So that's going to be their only way of staying in the tournament is to get on base and make noise that way because they're not going to be able to do it pitching. Um, uh, do you have anything about? San Diego State, or any comments on anything I've said about San Diego State? Well, San Diego State, they're, going, they're playing with a heavy heart after losing their manager, Tony Gwynn, this season, a San Diego icon. So, I mean, it's going to be a pretty different experience for them. I think they'll play hard. They'll be inspired. And Mark Saylor, batting, I mean, with his 9-2 and two record, not 78 strikeouts, 
you'll be able to keep San Diego State in each of their regional matchups. So, I mean, it'd be nice to see them get out of get out of the first um, regional of four. And I'm actually going to root for them and, and predict that they will. It'd be a lot better than what happened last time they made the tournament with Steven Strasburg as their pitcher back in '09. He got lit up, but I think he had um, one eye on the money anyway going to Washington. So San Diego State, they'll be right there. Yeah, Strasburg was there, definitely probably the best San Diego State player of all time, and it didn't go well for him in the tournament. Uh, they did have some good wins on the year, by the way. They beat UC Irvine and Cal State Northbridge, so they're a team that can make some noise. Uh, Oregon Ducks, they're, they made a tournament with uh, George Horton as a coach. Their big, uh, their big name players, uh, hidden wise, are still. Uh, Craig St. Louis, and uh, he was a junior, 294, about average, 37 RBIs. Um, Brandon uh, Cuddy, uh, junior, 255, about average, 35 RBIs. Their uh, best pitcher um, is uh, Garrett uh, Clevenger. Uh, he had a 1.59 ERA, 6-2 on the air. And then they have a bunch of guys who just haven't, you know, really lived up to the hype this year. It's been given hit quite often, like Dave Peterson, freshman, 439 ERA, 4 and 6 on the air. Uh, Oregon was one of those teams that was uh, probably lucky to get in the tournament with a 37 and 23 record, but they managed to get in. They're not overly impressive, uh, any, any, anywhere statistically. In fact, they're one of the worst hitting teams um, as far as batting average in the tournament uh, with a 253 team average. Um, and their earned run average isn't much better with a 3.77 ERA. So um, they definitely aren't aren't a big name by the numbers. So uh, I don't think they're a team that's going to make it too too far in this tournament. In fact, if they make it out of their group, that that would be surprising to me. So, any comments about Oregon? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there, Josh. I've obviously an Oregon play at all this season, so. The thing that shocks me is all the years they didn't have baseball and they've already turned themselves into a bit of a little regional powerhouse. So they got that going for them, but their stay should be short this season. Yeah. Which brings up us to another Oregon team, Oregon State, who also made the tournament. Um, uh, they had some big wins specifically against my uh, my team, Oklahoma State. Um, uh, that was their probably their key win on the year. Uh, their key, their best player is probably uh, Jeff Hendricks, who's a junior. He batted 341 on the year, had six home runs and 34 RBIs. But uh, they have uh, KJ Harrison too, a freshman uh, catcher who's one of the big prospects in out of the college baseball ranks. Uh, he had 58 RBIs and 314 batting average, and he had 10 home runs. So. He is a powerhouse, and he is one guy to watch in this tournament. Um, Pitching-wise, Andrew Moore, 1.73 ERA, had three complete games on the year, also with seven and two. He's a, he's a beast. He's actually another um, big prospect in college baseball. They have a good pitching staff. Um, Drew Rasmussen, another guy, freshman, 248 ERA, had two complete games too. Um, all seven three on the year. Um, and 79 strikeouts, and I probably should mention Andrew Moore had 103 strikeouts on the air, which was impressive in itself. And their closer, Matt uh, Mitch Hickey, a freshman, um, had uh, uh, 10 saves on the air, uh, 2.05 ERA. So 
That team um, has good pitching, decent hitting. Um, they're 88th in the nation hitting-wise, um, 14th in earned run average, so they're definitely in among amongst the top in the country uh, with a 2.97 uh, earned run average as a team. So they're a team that you want to actually watch out for. They were 38-16 on the year, too, so – uh, that team to watch out for. Any comments on Oregon State? Well, I know Oregon State, they're a very tough team. They actually went back-to-back in 06 and 07, and with pitchers such as Mitch Hickey and Andrew Moore, I mean, they're going to be a tough out for anybody. They've even defeated UCLA once this season. So Oregon State, they're going to be a tough out, and they won't lay down for anybody. It'll be interesting to see how far they can go. All right, that brings us to Cal State Fullerton, the Titans, uh, coached by uh, Rick Vanderhoek. Uh, their best player, Josh Vargas, Jr., um, 365 batting average, 14 RBIs, 12 stolen bases. Uh, this team loves to get on base to steal. That's, that's their niche. Um, that's what they're good at. They're, one of, they're not a powerful team. They don't have a bunch of home run hitters or anything like that. They, they can get on base and hit for hours. That's their, that's their deal. Um, they have uh, Thomas Eshelman, who is a junior. He's 157 ERA, 8-5 on, on the year, five complete games. Uh, had 111 strikeouts. He's their, he's their ace. Uh, and they also have uh, Tyle, uh, Tyler Petzelmeyer, uh senior, who was 244 ERA, 16 saves on the air, and 48 um, strikeouts. Uh, they're not they're not exactly um, – a great team as far as average, but they definitely manage to score runs, which is their, when they get on base, they do get guys in. They're just not a got a team like, they kind of remind me of Houston, I guess, so the Major League Baseball. They, the, when they hit, they, this, they're, they're inconsistent hitting, but they actually find ways to get it done. That's what they do. Um, so that, oh, and 2.97 team, team ERA, 17 in the country. So, they're definitely a team to watch out for in the tournament. Do you have anything to say about Cal State Fullerton? Well, we all know Cal State Fullerton. They're another one of those historical powerhouses. They're always in the conversation for the College World Series. They put players in the ma- in the major leagues, and this season should be no different. We have six. They have six players here who's batting over three hundred. You got you got Kobe Woodmancy with forty three RBIs and five homers. And he's going to be one a person to look forward to as far as being drafted in the next year or two. And I'm going to say Cal State Fullerton, they're going to be one of those teams that, that could be a dark horse to get all the way to Omaha to the College World Series. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're a team that you need to watch out for. And the next team that I'm about to talk about is another team that you can never count out is Arizona State, uh, coached by Tracy Smith. They're, they're an annual powerhouse in college baseball. They – weren't a powerhouse this year, but they're definitely a team to watch out for. Um, they're led by Tr- Trevor Allen, who bats 345 with 28 RBIs on the year. And they also have uh, Johnny Seawald, who was 328 uh, bat average, 23 RBIs. And he can get around the bases with 20 stolen bases on the year. So he's definitely a guy to watch out for. Uh, Pitching-wise, um, this is where they're struggling on the air. Ryan Kellogg probably is their or, uh, or Brett Lillick, one of those two are probably their best pitchers. Uh, Lillick, 329 ERA, 4-2 on the year. Uh, Kellogg's the guy, the innings, innings guy for this team. He uh, had two complete games, was 8-2 on the year. He got a lot of run support when he was out there. Um, 
his ERA 3.67, not all that impressive, but he definitely was a, the the wins guy for Arizona State. Hitting-wise, 294 team ERA, not ranked very high on um, pitching-wise, 99th in the country with 3.99 ERA. So that is, well, do you have any comments about Arizona State? Well, I haven't seen much of Arizona State this season, so it's going to be kind of hard for me to um, say anything about them. But I know they're a decent team. They've been over the last few years, and they'll be able to give it a good a good college try this season in the tournament. They were also another one of those teams who did defeat the overall one seed, UCLA. So it should be interesting to look going forward. And I made a mistake on one thing. My apologies. Corey Woodmissy uh, actually does play for Arizona State. I confused him with um, Davey Ometo Barrera for Cal State Fullerton, who's batting eight, who has eight homers, 39 RBIs, and 12 stolen bases. So that that's my disclaimer there, and oh. this was a great baseball feat there. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I wanted to mention the French Open, but uh, well, I guess I'll do it real quick. Uh, the French Open is going on at uh, Roman Garros, and uh, Rafael Nadal is trying to go for his tenth French Open. So, so uh, you know, people should watch watch because that's historic, and I know we don't have any great U.S. Yeah tennis players for everyone to jump on board like we did when we had Sampras and Agassi. But, but Nate all is, he's, he's been a reg, regular fixture in, in tennis. So I think people need to keep an eye on what he's doing because 10 wins at any, any major tournament in tennis is impressive. So that's my put input on that. Um, do you have any, do you watch tennis drum or do you follow at all? Or you just, well, I know Rafael Nadal is the king of the clay. So it's going to be hard to yeah. defeat him in this tournament as long as he's going strong. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so that's what I'll be watching for. Novak Djokovic is the other guy to watch out for. He's about to probably the only guy who's going to give him a run for his money in that tournament. Well, Jerome, we, it was a great show. I think we got a lot of good information across, especially about the college baseball World Series. Probably not a lot of people knowing too much about these uh, West Coast teams. Um I think it's good to let people know about other sports that we don't normally, you know, hear much about. So that's why I like getting on, getting on that. And I, I'm glad you came on the show. I wouldn't have been the same without you. Sorry that things didn't work out for you today, but um, I think we had a really great show. Um, do you have any last words before we end the show? Well, it, it was it was a great show. You know, I, I was a little disappointed with things that took place here. But, you know, the NGFC West recess, that's always my therapy, man. And I always have a good time every week, you know, fighting the bias with you, Josh. I wouldn't have it any other way. So tell me, how did it feel, how did it feel running point tonight? Oh, man, it was fun. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. I, you know, um, I think you do a better job than I do. But, hey, I, I felt like I did just fine. I think we, I could run the show if you, if you weren't here. And I think you would run the show just as good without me. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, well, let, well, we'll tell you what, Josh. Let's not find out again. I'm not going anywhere <laughs> for a long, long time, and neither are you. Man. And before right. we go, I just want to say congratulations to the Western Conference champion, Golden State Warriors. They defeated Houston, and they'll host the Cleveland Cavaliers next Thursday night in game one of the NBA Finals, 9 p.m. Eastern on ABC. So make sure you're there for that. That's going to be a great right. final series. Yeah, one thing before we end the show, for for real, uh, we should mention the Blackhawks and Anaheim are going to Game Seven after tonight. So on uh, May 30th at eight, 
on Saturday, basically. So uh, that that West Coast uh, part of the NHL Finals with the Blackhawks and Anaheim has been something special. So you, everyone should be watching that if you get a chance to. Yeah, most definitely. Well, this has been the NGSC West Recess. My man, Josh Matson. My main man, Josh Matson. I'm Ray Rome, Jerome Butler. We'll be back same time, same next Wednesday. Make it a date, 8 p.m. We're here. Whenever, whenever, forever. Good night, America. We love you. See you next week. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.